This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Hey, and I'm your host, Jason Glick. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, Mr. Jason Glick. Yep, that's about right, John. <laughs> it's internet time. I hear this all the time in other podcasts, so I thought I would just use it and pick it up, too. How the hell are you doing? I'm doing just fine. And as everyone here uh, probably guessed already, like we've both gone to see um, Guardians of the Galaxy this weekend. Oh, in fact, yeah. uh, so, um, some of us, you know, twice, in fact. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think that uh, movie should get more of my dollars if uh, it's an excellent as this film was. Oh, by the way, there you go. There's my opinion of it. <laughs> yeah, so it was so good that John um, not only saw it himself, but then he decided to um, go and drag his family to it as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and in, in fact, like my parents actually went and saw it um, before I did. And um, that's my surprise. Uh, my mom actually liked it because she's not a uh, Marvel or comic book fan um, in any way. But the humor really, really, um, impre- really impressed her, and she and she just, she compared it to like seeing how she felt when she saw Star Wars the first time, which was you know quite quite impressive actually. But I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it too myself. Okay, what did you enjoy about it, sir? Uh, definitely. Definitely the humor. It's like I mean, yeah. they, I mean, all, all the Mar- all the Marvel films have done a good job of incorporating humor, like in, into their approach. But I think the like, Guardi- Guardians, um, work Guardians work particularly well. In fact, it it emphasizes the whole irreverent approach. I mean, just when you see the, uh, I mean, the very beginning of the film, when you when you hear, um, like um, when when uh, when Peter Quill or Star Lord, um, like puts on his um his um awesome mix. And then you see the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy like t- title right there, just as he's like you know doing this, like these uh, t- like dance around the song, and then he just he just dances his way through this through this old alien rune on another planet, just 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 kicking it to the to the fat beats and um and kicking and also just like like kicking the crap out of the um, lizards li- lizard creatures around there, and then just grabbing one and just singing into it as a microphone. I mean, it's like that. <laughs> Oh that, yeah, that was just really, really impressive. And Chris Pratt just really, just really sold the moment as well. Just, to, just let you know that okay, this is, this is like this is their version of Peter Quill, and he and he is hilarious. Oh yeah, I agree. It was, um, it it felt very, you know, it didn't feel forced. It just felt there, you know. It was, yeah, you know, the humor was there, and they just threw them in there, and you know where I didn't expect them, but it was great. You know, good timing. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and it just and all the humor just sprung forth pretty naturally from all all the other characters. I mean, not I mean, yeah, obviously Chris Pratt as um as Peter, um just like really like it, this is his show. This is it, it is as everyone else, all other reviews have said. This is a really star making role. Well, you know, unless you want to consider consider his role as Emmett in um the Lego Movie, which is still the best movie I've seen so far this year. But um this, but. But yeah, it's like it's it's his show. But still, like the um, all the other actors managed to acquit themselves. Most of the other actors managed to acquit themselves pretty well. Um, Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper do a good do a great job as the uh, voice actors for um, Rocket Raccoon and Groot. Um, Cooper, of course, you know, get um, getting all the best lines as see as Rocket and just like clear, and clear, clearly having a great great time in the in the role of this genetically augmented raccoon and like they also they also like managed to play off like hey it's not entirely fun and games for this 
for this guy in in a way that doesn't feel like heavy handed heavy handed or forced. And also um, with um, like John, what do you think of Dave Batista as uh, as um, Drax the Destroyer? I thought he did great. I um, you know. Uh, you know, I, uh, the performance was natural. It didn't seem, you know, it's so funny when you see, you know, like somebody coming in, and I, I don't know if he's been in anything else or what his he, acting he was career. In, he's been, in, uh, he's tried been in other stuff, but I, only other thing I've, I've, um, from, I know he's not off the top of my head is, but was in last year's Riddick. Oh, okay, all right. Um, you know, the, I'm, I'm so used to seeing some wrestlers just deliver their lines like you know just really robotic and he was very organic with the role yeah it's like on one hand it's like part of me wonders if um director um james gunn um wrote it's like you know wrote the part like around um batista and just, just considered okay i'm get, i'm having um i have a wrestler in this role so i'm just gonna like you know not make him that all that expressive and, and everything but at the same time though i I think Batista really displayed some impressive, really impressive deadpan skills with this. It's like that he just like there's some stuff that you know just could have been really, really, really cute or cut off as too clever, but he just he just did this really, really good, really good sense of deadpan to the point where it's like you you believe that he had no idea when he's when someone when it's like when um when a uh, when Peter like um put does the whole like um throat slitting. Yeah, I was just gonna mention that you know like the what the finger across the throat thing you know and it's you know and he's like why would I want to put his finger my finger across his throat? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You actually, you actually believe the character like really had no idea what it's like what what um Peter was was doing with that with that maneuver. Same same as when they said like the when he said like. No, nothing would get over my head. My reflexes are too great for that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, it was just a great line. Fit him well, you know. Yeah, so I think so. I so I did so I do I did like him in that role. It's like I'm looking forward to seeing like um what what they do with him in the future. And even though it's 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 definitely in the upper echelon of um wrestler roles. I mean, it's like you for me. It's like you know the best film that a wrestler has been in was Andre the Giant in. Princess Bride and best performance given by a wrestler that I've seen is um Rowdy Roddy Piper in They Live. Yeah, that's a classic culty kind of yeah um, film. You know, it's like yeah, not not just for the whole I'm here to chew bubble kick ass and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of bubble gum line. But he also gave like a, a performance that actually felt pretty lived in for like this um, homeless drifter. It's like that. It's a that um serves on this alien conspiracy, so that's 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 what I feel. But my own the only weak link, and even this isn't a major complaint, because I f- kind of felt that Zoe Saldana didn't didn't quite feel as invested like in in everything as it's like as the other cast members were. For some reason, she just didn't quite um you know, you know come off as it's like as um sincere as the as Gamora the, the like the assassin and the deadliest woman in the galaxy. Yeah, I mean. You know, uh, I guess comparing pound for pound, I'll just have to use her Star Trek stuff that she's done, you know. I know she's been in other things, but we're talking sci-fi essentially right now, you know. Or adaptations of sci-fi. And uh, when you see her in that... Avatar as well. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, and that one is... Yeah, that one's unique as well. Um, You know, and definitely, you know, she's one of the main characters in that. When you watch her, you know, she's... 
you know, definitely her presence is there, you know. Of course, she's sharing the screen with everyone else, and I, you know, and, you know, they didn't push her out into the front, although she did have that nice fight scene. Oh, she had plenty of good fight scenes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I I enjoyed those, you know, so, um, um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, not, like, highlighted, but there. I Mm -hmm. tend to agree with your opinion on that. Yeah, and and also as for as for the bad guys, um, Lee Pace as let's see as I'm running the accuser, um, kind of it's a little bit different from how he's been portrayed in the uh, it's like the Marvel in the Marvel comics. But I thought he 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 came off he came off reasonably well here. Not nearly not nearly as the you know waste of talent that um, we got with uh, Christopher Eccleston as Malekith in Thor: The Dark World. But um, not not in the same league as say um, as Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he got he managed to like has have some good have some good dramatic moments. He got to name the uh, it's like the Guardians. But I still kind of wish we had gotten more like into his mindset and motivations beyond the fact that oh he's a he's a Kree fanatic, um, driven to um you know embr- like like enacting their laws against. Like against everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Even against maybe even possibly his own government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely yeah. against his own government. But all, and also, um, definitely, all, um, tr- trying to screw over Thanos, uh, much to his, it's like much to his ultimate detriment at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he did seem like I'm just gonna be the big bad, you know, mm-hmm. and I am the bad, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I mean yeah. Yeah, I mean, not bad, but you know, not not exceptional as well. And the film also had, it's like had plenty of cool nods to the um, to the comics as well. I liked seeing um nowhere, which is from the Abnett and La- Abnett and Lanning um, um Nova and Guardians of the Galaxy runs, and also you know the uh, the rush the the cosmonaut dog in the film. Yes. Yeah, he. I love I love seeing him there because he's also he's actually like a fairly major player in in Abnett and Lanning's runs because he's the. Uh, He's actually the, the uh, telepathic and telekinetic security chief of Nowhere in the comics. So, so you see him talk, talking in his Russian, Russian accent and trying to, um, keep, trying to keep the peace while all this craziness like, unfolds, like, unfolds around him in the comics. Mm-hmm. I would have I liked to have actually seen, seen that actually like, you know, seen him uh, you know, given more of a part. I think that you know, the idea of a, of a, of a Russian-accented talking dog would have um, made a great fit for the, uh, the tone of the film. It was. It was not to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I still, I still like seeing the uh, the, the post credits cameo yes. that we got. Yes. And those kind of fall in line, don't they? <laughs> a mm-hmm. little there. So you know. Um, yeah. You know. And uh, you know. Can't wait to see what they produce for the next film. Um, according to some blurb I was watching on television earlier, um, they were saying like 2017 is slated for the next Guardians of the Galaxy. So. Yeah, they've already got uh, um, Gun has already been signed for it, and I, I'm sure they've locked all the cast, all the key cast members in. But I can also, but um, anyone who is familiar with the comics, and um, when you when we saw that um, bit at the end when we find out more about um, Peter's um, origins, um, it's like I, I have a pretty good idea where they're going to go um, with that because everyone who does anyone in the comics who does know about that what um, Peter's deal that he's actually the uh, I mean hey it's like yeah 
yeah, if you've seen the if, if you've seen the film, then yeah, this is going to be a spoiler. But if you've read the co- if anyone's familiar with the comics, already knows that Peter is actually the uh, the heir to the Spartax Empire, and he's just been playing the role of rebellious um, Scion for like the la- for the last couple decades now. And is that what your topic for their primary topic will be for tonight? Yeah, it's like I, well, yeah, it's basically talking about the Ab- Abnet and Landing Run. But one last thing I oh, want yeah. to bring up with the movie is sure. that you know, I mean, they they got a lot of um, really talented actors um, for these like for to, like to fill out the film, and um, even like for parts that you would think that okay, you know, this this is this is um, the the part that they're asked, these people are being asked to play is way, way below um, what these people are char- are capable of delivering, mm-hmm. so, such as in the case of, say, Benicio del Toro as as a collector, John C. Riley as you know that Nova cop, yeah, yeah. and and Glenn Close as Nova Prime. Right? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on this. Yeah, but the one one part that I re- that I. One character who really did make the most of his of his some supporting role was was Michael Rooker as Yondu. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it's it's really impressive to see to see the man who he's gotten another because he's been a great character for years, but he's gotten another a, another big lease. Uh, a, he's, he's experienced a minor career resurgence thanks to his role in The Walking Dead. Yeah, and here it's it's him. It's impressive to see him act. More white trash here than he does in than he did in The Walking Dead. Indeed, <laughs> he, did, he, he didn't even he didn't even miss a beat. He's just the same guy basically with blue paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know even though like the it 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 ends with you know hey maybe this may be the last we'll see of Yondu. To be honest, um, Rooker does such a great job that I def that they wanted to write him into the to the sequel or a future Marvel movie, then I definitely want to, I definitely love to see see him back in that role. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, but you know, as as for the, the actual comics themselves, um, it, it's worth noting that the if you if you if you're paying attention to the credits, um, you know that they actually give a specific um, sh- um shout out to like two um. Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning as you know being based on the Guardians of the Galaxy comics that these two guys wrote because the thing is like for for years Marvel's um, cosmic um, side was kind of was kind of neglected except for whenever a uh, writer wanted to do something out in space and then they'd you know bring up you know whoever they wanted like whoever they wanted to in a, in a special guest guest role and what and whatnot but um, then like several years back in fact I did a podcast on this. Um, several years after the fact, um, like Marvel put out the um, did a uh, cosmic event called Annihilation, which basically um, reset the status quo for the for a lot of their cosmic characters, from Nova to Peter Quill to, to Ronan the Accuser, the Silver Surfer, lots of characters. And we got and this this is as the um, as Annihilus broke out of the negative zone and um, launched a, like a gigantic assault against the, the universe. This was. Um, the main series is written by Keith Jiffen, but Abnett and Lanning um, did the uh, Nova series, which was so well received that we got a new Nova series written by them, um, spinning out of it. Then, um, once um, based on the success of Annihilation, then we got a new, uh, another another new crossover, of course. Um, this time, masterminded by Abnett and Lanning themselves, called um, Annihilation Conquest. This is this time um, uh, Ultron. Was revealed to be the big bad in this. It's like, it, it's like in this event, this event, and he had 
basically broke into the to the Kree Empire using the Phalanx as his. It's like, it's like as he mentioned, it's like suborn suborn them himself, and then we got, then we had um, Nova and everyone else, and plus a few new characters that weren't in the um, first first crossover, um, basically teaming up to take down Nova. Um, sorry, uh, Ultron and his evil schemes, and here we come to the point of this podcast which is in the wake of these two gigantic wars um peter quill decides okay you know with all this crazy shit happening we need a team of um team of tr- troubleshooters real hard cases who can go who can um stand up to the worst the galaxy has to offer and um it's like and fight it's like and fight back against these problems before they destroy the galaxy instead of like directing them as they as they happen so Problem is that uh, Peter, that m- the real heavy hitters, um, basically sh- turn him down. So, so basically, he's forced to go with um, with a bunch of specialists who are kind of like who aren't are, who are definitely not not bad or anything, but they're kind of like. But it's definitely a much more ragtag group than we got. So, in addition to, to Peter himself, we've got this is this the Advent Landing Guardians of the Galaxy team is initially made up of let's see of Drac of Drax, Gamora, Rocket, Groot. And see, like, and as well as um, as as Phylavel, the Captain Marvel of the it's like of the current of the current era, and um, at, and Adam Warlock. So definitely not a uh, oh, and also and also Mantis and Cosmo running security on nowhere. So so the thing is, I mean, this um, the Abnet Landing run lasted for four four volumes before the um, before sales um basically caused things to caused series to wrap. Wrap up and then um, get get a resolution in the Thanos imperative. So, the, but the the thing about these um, four volumes though is that they is that for a good portion of their run they are really mired in crossovers because uh, we we get crossovers with the um, it's like with the secret in, with with Marvel's secret invasion crossover at the time. Then there was um, Abnett Landing's um, War of Kings. Uh, event which had the uh, cr- the Inhumans um, taking on the the uh, Shi'ar. Um, led by uh, Gabriel Summers, and then the Realm of Kings, which is in the wake of War of Kings. Uh, there was this gigantic um, fault, which basically was a, a a window into another universe that where life had won, and that um, and it continued to grow like a giant cancer throughout. So, first volume is probably is probably the most interesting and the and uh, easiest to get into because. Like they're not dealing with a bunch of um, crossover stuff. I mean, they are setting they are setting up a bunch of stuff that will be followed up on later. It's like later on, but then you've got but you've got um, it's like um, P- Peter and everyone matching wits against the uh, the Church of Universal Truth. It's like in their belief engines, finding a time loss major victory. Let's see, and um, and also a time traveling Starhawk as well. And in, this is in addition to them also uh, managing things. It's like on. Like on the home front, nowhere. As people just look, um, look at the guardians and go, "Wait, what are you? You guys are just a bunch of screw ups. What are you doing here, managing this stuff?" So, so there, so there's that. I mean, it's like, and the series, and the series does not take itself too seriously. There's lots of good, good humor involved. It's, I mean, like on Peter's, um, let's see, Peter's sense of humor is very much intact here, even though it's much more the kind of um, self-deprecating. It's like, yeah, it's like we're we're kind of screwed, but hey, I'm gonna laugh about it. Um, type, it's like type, uh, not type of humor, and um, and everyone else comes off pretty well, pretty well, pretty well too. Then you, 
I mean, like the even the uh, see the secret invasion stuff has actually worked in pretty well. As it turns out, the uh, the scroll the scroll um, people here are the scrolls involved in this um this um story are actually actually have a good reason for for um, wanting to hide out in nowhere because they're actually conscientious objectors to the whole thing, to, like to the whole scroll crusade, and um then. But then the uh, volume ends with on um, the team finding out the uh, real um, reason, the real way that Peter um, got them on board with this this whole with this new Guardians team, and it's kind of like yeah okay that's kind of that's kind of a dick move on Peter's part, but at the same time it's kind of like, you know we've got like our first big break um, break with the team right here, and that actually turns out to be a fair um, like a re- a recurring thing over the course of the series run as a the team does seem to undergo some major shakeup every, like every six issues. But the uh, two—that's the first volume. Volumes two and three are the uh, War of Kings, um, like tie-in, tie-in stories. But the uh, but volume two isn't. They seem it seems to have been um, like um, given that banner just to boost sales because it actually does just continue like the uh, subplots of the main like of the main characters. More than anything else, I mean, you've got Drax looking for um, um, the, that girl he was friends with, Cammy from his from the Earthfall um series in the original Annihilation crossover. Um, Peter um, go, falling into the negative negative zone and taking on um, Blastar, and um, Rocket um, leading a new like um makeshift um group of Guardians to um to take on some take on the uh like the the threats that the galaxy faces while Peter is is um indisposed as a result of his um deception it's like in with the team and then adam warlock also it's like you know cleaning um taking on the church of universal truth to order to deal with like what like the schemes they have planned there is a there is a clever bit with the uh there is some nice continuity um used here in the sense that the uh the peter winds up um helping blast helping blast our take take on the uh the negative zone prison from from Civil War, it's like that's been established in the in the negative zone. Let's see, and I'm um, finding uh, and I'm um, countering all the uh, supervillains who've been enclosed. It's like as a result of things. This includes um, Jack Flag, who no one here has probably ever heard of, unless you've read um, Warren Ellis's um, Thunderbolts run, because he was a guy who um, presented as a um, kind of like not really as kind of a um, Generic Captain America type hero in the sense that he was, you know, fighting, fighting, fighting to help America. He's got enhanced damage, and damage resistance, and damage dealing attributes. But he just had his ass handed by the Thunderbolts, and he was dumped in. He had his back broken and dumped in the negative zone prison. As a result, it was nice seeing him here, but that's only because I read um, like Ellis's um, Thunderbolts run. And in fact, that's continuity is a big issue with their. With Abnett Landing's run, especially in, when you get to Volume Three of War of, uh, of the series, and we get to the War of Kings um, crossover proper, because I mean, like then, oh, but you've also got the uh, the stuff at the in the latter half of Volume Two when you get um, when you get Philavel and Drax trying to um, bring Moon Dragon back back from the dead. Dead, and much as I am all in favor of um, seeing space lesbians, um, it's like embrace their. Like try to reignite, reignite their love. It's just kind of like a lot of the, um, a lot of what we see here is just kind of like does spend, does involve um, the two like on Philavel and Moondragon just kind of like being apart and just having their relationship fucked with as a result. 
So then you get, but then you get to the uh, um, volume three, and then then continuity starts to become starts to become the devil more than anything else. Because while this, while I like the um, I like the War of Kings cross, crossover event and the Guardians, and have a um, nice role to play here in the sense that they are trying to get the uh, Inhumans and the um, Chiar to stop fighting because if they don't, um, like the entire universe is gonna like is gonna pay the price. Um, things naturally don't go go the way they plan. In, but this is all, that also this also results in lots of um, confusing time travel stuff with um, Pete, with Peter Quill's team, and then you also get um, Adam Warlock um, reverting to his Magus persona. Now, Adam now not now Adam Warlock isn't really a, a very well known character like these days at all. But then when you start talking about his alternate Magus persona, you really go, um, most people would go, "What the hell is going on here?" But I have a friend of mine, coincidentally named John, who also um, got me got me involved in this series, and he told me about you know how Magus, how Warlock, you know, eventually became like the Magus or this evil, um, like um, version of himself in a, an alternate timeline. It's like, but that timeline was severed, like um, back in that what I don't know the the back in some some decade, a couple wh- while back, and so Abnett Landing are basically you know revisiting you know this. Like this thing, right? This thing right here, as it's like as they try to uh, st- like avert the hostilities and uh, like and deal with the uh, the gigantic um, fault that's going to be created as well. But th- this this continuity stuff is is way over my head. It's like, and I would have, and I, and it's still pretty hard to to get invested in or keep keep track of, even if I hadn't been told by my my buddy about what was going on here. So even though it's like you know, like these these um. These four volumes have been reprinted, you know, as like in deluxe editions for the um, like to cash in on the uh, you know the the movie's success. Uh, it's wow! It's like I just kind of wonder, like, well, what people who have seen the movie and then pick up these um things, particularly the second one, are going to think or think of once they um once they see this right here and go, okay, I know these characters, but what the hell is going on with them? To be honest, um, Bendis's um, current Guardians of the Galaxy run, which was essentially made with the idea of of directly of providing a much more relatable version, like focusing on the main characters we know that were going to be in the movie, is actually pro- would probably be more up to speed for anyone who saw the film and is looking to get into them. But you know, there was like I said, there was a lot of good there was some good stuff with with Abnett Landing's work here, and then you get to the uh, like the final volume, volume four, which is the realm of kings. Like after the uh, the, the gigantic fault had been created with the uh, with the war of kings, and now the uh, the guardians and everyone have to deal with the uh, the cancerverse spilling out into the uh, it's like into their it's like into their world, into their universe, and this includes a um, moon dragon wind, winding up getting a, a like a giant um, chthonic baby, um, like. Like absor- like absorbed into her in order to like save everyone, save everyone in the st- in the station. Let's see, and then eventually, um, everyone finding out, just taking taking on um, the Church of Universal Truth, and um, getting and getting their friends back who they thought were dead, but actually but actually weren't, and also the uh, and also just setting up the whole the whole Than- um, Th- Thanos imperative cross um, event as well, so. So, so it um, finishes um, fairly 
fairly strongly for the most like for the most part, but um, the Garden, but um, Abandon Landing's Guardians of the Galaxy is kind of um, it's like is kind of une- uneven and really it's like um, probably really sh- and really shackled to the cross to, to crossover events and continuity to be of like you know interest to like, you know people who um, aren't already invested in it's like in deeply invested in the the interest of the Marvel universe. So if you if you've seen the movie and you're looking for something that's along the same lines, this may be a bit too continuity-driven and just, well, you know, I like weird, but it's also just too strange compared to what, what we saw in the movie to really, like, to really get, get your, um, to really be of, um, you know, that much interest to anyone who's seen the movie. Um, Bendis' stuff, you know, it's not quite as ambitious yet, anyway, but um, it's definitely, but it's probably, it's probably more um, accessible like if if nothing else, also the art in these um, volumes is pretty good. I mean, part um, Paul Pelletier um, handles the um, handles um, the first volume and one issue in the second. He does he's a great um, superhero artist and he handles the uh, all the aliens and stuff um, really nicely. Then the uh, rest of volumes two, three, and four are split between uh, um, Brad Walker and Wesley Craig. Uh, Walker is um, like he's a um, He's more like he, he emphasizes um, de- detail and cross hatching over. It's like, like in comparison to Pelletier, he's much more in line with that that artist's um, style. And Craig is much more. He's not as detailed. He goes for much more like impression, much like a more um, animated style um, than it's like the, than what the other art, artists are seeing here. And so it's kind of like if and on one hand, it's kind of disappointing that you you kind of wish they. They had found like another artist who was just like uh, an artist, two artists who could um, emphasize consistency between each other. But um, that's that's not what happens between um, Walker and Craig. They do both do good work, but it's just kind of like it's at odds stylistically with, with each other. So, so overall, it's like you know the movie, absolutely fantastic, definitely one of the best um, best best Marvel movies um, they've they've done yet. Um, recent comics, um, well. I was like, if you're, like I said, like I said, um, if you're looking for for decent Guardian stuff, um, I actually, to be honest, um, I recommend at least the uh, like the, the annihilation stuff, all the event stuff that um, Abnett and Landing have have done has actually been really solid. And if you're looking to get a good um, idea of the appeal of Marvel's cosmic stuff, I'd recommend I'd recommend that over over um, the actual Guardians of the Galaxy work they've done. John, any thoughts here? Yeah, so I'm looking on Amazon right now just to, you know, plug it. And they have um, Abnett and Lanning's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Complete Collection Volume 1. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they're just mentioning, like, uh, you, 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 it's not even... This particular volume or um, is not even released yet, actually. They said this particular one will be released on August 12th. Oh, that's 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 dumb. I mean, <laughs> so I was like, oh well, okay. So you know, I threw it into the old pre-order cart, but that's all I can do. Um, but yeah, I do, and I do see the Bendis volume here as well. So um, on mm-hmm. Amazon, yeah, the first you can get the first Bendis volume in soft cover now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Cosmic Adventures uh, here. So, um, 
and uh, so, but uh, yeah, also available on Kindle. And uh, I think I was mentioning, uh, I think maybe we don't talk about this much, but um, Amazon did buy Comixology, and I, I know we haven't mentioned it on this particular podcast. We might have talked about it offline or whatnot, but uh, I'm interested to see like what that will be, what, how that will develop, you know, because I do notice that they do have the Kindle version of this for 10.99. The, the, the paperback volume, uh, this is the Bendis uh, Cosmic Avengers volume, um, $12.22, so. Yeah, it's like, I, it, I mean, I see, like, a lot of the Kindle stuff is, it, it's always um, cheaper than um, what you can buy, mm-hmm. what you can buy, no, like, um, for, for the, the actual print version. Mm-hmm. Now, the Guardians of the Galaxy by Abnett and Lanning, they're only offering, uh, they only have it as the paperback, so, uh, volume, so. Yeah, I, I, see, I see that they've um, apparently they're offering the first um, volume one of Abnett Landing's run, like of the four volumes they've they've put out. Um, that's apparently uh, four bucks right now, according oh. to them. Oh, really? Okay. All right, I'm not looking in the right place here then. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I see it here. I see where you're talking about. Yeah, four bucks. Yep. Yeah, and apparently the, sec- the second um, collection of their like other work comes out on comes out in December, which I guess would be would be in time for the DVD release nice or timing. something. Yeah, nice timing yeah. there. Yeah, um, how much you want to bet it'll be out before Christmas? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'll be on board because I, I definitely enjoy the movie for sure. You know, certainly, and I do want to explore these. Uh, you know. Uh, these uh, volumes, these trades. Yeah, but I mean, it's like the movie. Like, like I said, I like the, I like the comics, but the movie actually does a good job of making all all this stuff really accessible for everyone, accessible and funny. Yep, absolutely. I recommend it. Go read. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, and we'll and we'll see if it's um, really strong start this weekend. Actually, manages to lift it beyond all the other. I mean, like, it's weird how this year, like, all, a lot of films have opened at ninety million. Like, say, like, um, like X Men, Godzilla, Captain America, mm-hmm. and um, Transformers managed to barely um get over one hundred million. But all, but all this stuff is like opened at ninety million, and then just petered out. Oh, Spider Man as well. Yeah. Um, petered out around two hundred million or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- yeah, I agree. Um, X Men: uh, Days of Future Past sure did. Uh, I mean, it it had a little staying power. I mean, Transformers had no staying power whatsoever after its after its nice little record breaking weekend. It just fizzled, fizzed out. It had know? better staying power in China. Uh, yeah. Well, there's lots of product to be placed there in China. So. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm regretting it. No. I, yes, I'm telling you. Um, if you guys are listening to this and you saw it and you liked it, I'm sorry. I I, did, I hated that <laughs> film. That film was a waste of money and just you know I don't know. It's that's it. No more. No more. Uh, no more Bay dollars. No more dollars will be allocated to Michael Bay. Unless he I, changes I still his like, ways. <laughs> and I still get to see any of the Transformers movies. Uh, well, that is uh, absolutely... Um, not only not only do you save the money, but you also save your sanity from trying to watch something. You know, how can you make a movie... And I love that, uh, that little... Um, 
that uh, article you had sent me about the Hulk, uh, that guy had written about <laughs> the Hulk reviewing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was dead on. It's like, how can you make a movie that's two and a half hours long is just utterly boring from beginning to end? I just, you know, and, and that's exactly how I felt about that film. So um, this film, however, not the case whatsoever. So um, interesting characters, great pacing, and just, and, and great, and a, and a good look to the film. And, you know, like you said, the, you know, you got, you got, got uh, you know a, a good mix of characters a plus in my opinion so yeah so hopefully it'll it'll be it'll um it'll get a, like a box office run that's closer to um captain america if not the original iron man um than any, than anything else at this point yes exactly and uh that that'll be a good insurance policy because really this was kind of a this is kind of a gamble for um marvel you know um and well, I guess Disney as the underwriters of everything that Marvel does nowadays in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like, I mean, relatively unheard of for most people, right? I mean, and then just for it to pop out, of course, you can, you know, that it was well marketed, you know. Yeah, well, and also the buzz was really good going going into it. Yeah. So I mean, like that, that I was that was def- that definitely helped things as well. It's like, and also it. Um, shows you that you no know, Marvel can just keep um, putting out. Yeah, you know, can also take. We'll probably be seeing more, um, like more stuff, like uh, ris- more um, risky ventures, like from this from Marvel. Though, um, kind of like I mean, we, I keep hearing um, about they're working on their Doctor Strange movie and also Ant Man as well. But Ant Man is a risky venture at this point, simply because of the um, bad. It's like bad vibes from the fact that um, Edgar Wright departed the the uh, pro- project earlier this year so like, if if they can like hopefully i mean they that um that the new director peyton reed um like can can bring can bring the goods to this new one but i mean they've got got good guys in uh paul rudd and michael douglas it's like in this like in in their roles but yeah it's like we'll we'll see about whether or not they um this one was good enough to make us go yeah we kind of wish edgar wright had they had gone with the rec- Ed- Edgar Wright version instead, but you know that's the that's the that we'll see whether or not they come up with next year. But even then, I'm kind of wondering if they'll actually manage to make the uh, like um, July um, start um, debut with all the problems they've had. It's like um, behind the scenes now. Yep. All right. Anything else? No, that's it. Safe to say that next week we, are, I've got um, 15 volumes of stuff. I've already written read one of them so far. 15 volumes of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure to get through um, before, like before our next podcast. All right. Well, um, excellent. We can't wait. Um, we'll catch you next time on Comic Picks by the Click. All right. Later. All right. Bye.